talk good. That was the class. Thank God. How to talk good 101. All right, should we get going? Yeah, might as well. All right, welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I am Ted Hollowell. (laughs) And today we will be talking about Season 4, Episode 2, Ben's Birthday Party. But before (laughs) that... I like how you just like naturally dropped that. Yeah, I went back. Yeah. (laughs) It it started off in that sense, and then he just kind of casually and gradually went back. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we couldn't keep that going the whole cast, and I don't think anybody who I don't think our few listeners would put up with it either. <laughs> like, nah. Uh, before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode? Mel's offer. One thing we wanted to know was when Larry, unprompted, uh, considers you know just, just gives his opinion on what would be a good name for a Chinese boy. The one he immediately goes to is Wang from the Good Earth. And I found out that that is, and he says the first and last name, Wang Lung from The Good Earth, which is a historical fiction novel by Pearl S. Buck, published in 1931. Oh, my Lord. At least it's not the 1919 (laughs) reference like we had at the beginning of this episode when he sings Swanee. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) I can't believe that karaoke bar had Swanee in its (laughs) catalog, honestly. Like, I don't know whatever show tune Mel Brooks was singing, but when Larry gets up there and does Swanee, it's like, like, public domain hits. You know, it's like the one that the machine comes with, like, <laughs> the demo song. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'll just do the demo song. Oh, it's Swanee from 1919, because it's, it's not covered by any copyright. Um, but The Good Earth is a novel that dramatizes family life in a Chinese village in the early 20th century. It was the best-selling novel in the U.S. in 1931 and 1932. It won the Pulitzer Prize and was influential in Bucks winning the Nobel Prize for Literature in 1938. The realistic and sympathetic depiction of the farmer Wang Lung and his wife O Lan helped prepare Americans of the 1930s to consider the Chinese as allies in the coming war with Japan. Now, there was a film version. Maybe that's what Larry was familiar with. That came out a whole six years later in 1937. (laughs) Ooh, <laughs> yeah. ah, Jesus Christ. It was based on a poorly reviewed staged version that only ran for like 56 shows, but the film was very well received. It won the Academy Award for Best Cinematography in 1938, I guess, and was nominated for Best Director, Best Film Editing, and Best Picture, but it lost to The Life of Emile Zola. And the film stars... <laughs> And this just I, I had to include this because, you know, it was, it was news this week that the first Asian woman to be featured on U.S. currency is going to be coming next year. I think the, the um, there's going to be there's going to be girl quarters. <laughs> wow. Yeah, girl quarters. They're putting girls on quarters now. <laughs> um, but it really is called something like the Treasury Department's Women's Series or something Jesus like literally. This is interesting because Anna Mae Wong is going to be the first Asian woman to be on a quarter. Uh, and so okay, that, that's awesome. And I found <laughs> I mean, something aside, aside from like, you know, the, the patronizing W or women's series, women's, yeah, but girl it, it is, re- it is really cool. Yeah. It's, it's, and so here's, I found, I heard a funny story about anime Wong because she's one of the, like, a, you know, she was one of the first, you know, mainstream Asian actresses. And I found out she couldn't be in a movie because of the Hayes code and that was the early motion picture code that you know made it so 
you know, movies couldn't be too gay or too interracial or too uh, violent or anything like that. There was a, a Hayes Code rule that said you, that you couldn't have interracial relationships on screen. And so she was in a movie about a Chinese couple, but because the dude playing the husband was American playing Chinese, she couldn't be in the movie as a Chinese woman playing a Chinese woman because then because it would have been technically, even though they were playing characters, it would have been an interracial couple because oh we know that. God. Yeah, I'm like, that's really fucked up. <laughs> like, um, And so that, that brings me to this movie version of The Good Earth because the film stars Paul Mooney as Wang Lung. Does that sound Chinese to you, Ted? I, I I guess no. He's he's a uh, Austrian okay. and Hungarian. Yeah, okay. Austro-Hungarian. Uh, okay. The, his wife Olan or Olan probably more like it. Luis Rayner. Does that sound Chinese at all to you? Not traditional. German American British. German American okay. British. Yeah. So, okay. The, a German American British woman and an Austro-Hungarian man playing. A Chinese couple, and she won the Academy Award for Best Actress. So back when Yellow Face was awarded Academy Awards, oh lord! I just, I just, I had, I was like, I have to look up who played. Since I found that about uh, out about Anime Wong, I was like, I had to find out who played the the Chinese couple in the film version of this. So that's where Wang Lung comes from, and that's where Larry David's Chinese name knowledge ends. Nineteen thirty-one. I hadn't heard of a Chinese person after that. What about, he could have said Jackie, Jackie Chan. Like, I know I had seen like five Jackie Chan movies in 2000, by 2004. Like, he was the most famous Chinese man on the planet. Why didn't he say Jackie? I guess it's not funny. I, I guess it's not. I, I guess, yeah. I guess it's not racially charged enough. Rachel Harris in the same scene plays Joanne, Mel's assistant. And I found out Rachel Harris is 54. I mean, I, I that like, she looks great for 54. I know it's whack yeah. to say as a. Uh, I know you're not supposed to say that, but she, cause she's always looked good, but she looks great. Uh, she was born outside Columbus, Ohio, and she was in the groundlings out in LA and even taught for a time there. She debuted on television in, on Sequest DSV in 1993. You probably don't remember that show, Ted, cause you were very young. I have young. no idea what it is. It was, it's, it, it sounds like a, a, uh, parody, like a uh, law and order SVU show. Is that what it is? <laughs> I think deep DSV stood for Deep Sea Voyage or something like that. Um, I remember it was on the same... It was on Sunday nights up against Lois and Clark. I remember because I was... <laughs> as a kid, I was going to try to decide which show I wanted to watch. And I, I ended up with Lois and Clark. Um, but Sequest, think of like a an earnest C-Lab 2021. Oh, my God. Yeah. So well, okay, what well, was it? Sequest? Sequest, DSV? Yeah. yeah. Oh, with a capital Q. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, one word but a capital in the middle. <laughs> and Jonathan Brandis was the heartthrob young kid in that uh, show. And Roy Scheider was like the older sort of like, oh, we'll get adults to watch it with Roy Scheider. And we'll get Jonathan Brandis. We'll get the kids with John Jonathan hmm. Brandis. And so I think it worked for a while. Looks like it's available to watch on Peacock. There you go. Uh, yeah, because Lois and Clark was ABC. So this must have been NBC. Yeah, original network, NBC. Um, yeah, ran for three seasons up until june of 96 um yeah I, I didn't i didn't stick with it but i think it was uh you know it was probably okay ran for three seasons for crying out loud but so that was the, the first show she was on probably as a little bit part then she was on star trek voyager in 97 then she went on to a recurring role on the wb's sister sister 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Tia and Tamara. Her other television. So here's where I sort of lean. Maybe not cameo, but at least like known actress. She was she had she was a correspondent for the Daily Show uh, during their 0203 season. Back okay. in the, uh, I'm okay. pretty sure that John Stewart was on mm. at that point. I don't yeah. think it was still Craig Kilborn. I don't think he had much of a tenure at all, did he? Craig Kilborn? Yeah. He he got Comedy Central through their early days of like, you know, being a new cable channel, you know, like their okay. fledgling days. But then I forget when John Stewart took over i used to i did love craig kilborn which I, he I, hosted he, from 96 to 98 okay so he left in 98 okay and then and then um john and then john stewart, took, stewart over. took over yeah That's rachel right. harris was also on the sarah silverman program reno 911 the west wing the good guys friends the office monk csi desperate housewives and she played the supporting role this was another big role for her kevin sheckett Kirstie Alley's personal makeup artist on the Showtime series Fat Actress in 2005 to 2009. So that had a pretty long run on, on Showtime. Now her big role is in 2015, she was cast as Linda, Lucifer's therapist in Lucifer, and which is on Netflix now. It jumped from network to Netflix. And a lot of people recognize her from that these days. She debuted on film in the 1992 film Treehouse Trolls. As the Treehouse Mom, was this like a kids' <laughs> version of the Troll series? Like they tried to like expand the franchise to kids. Treehouse Trolls. <laughs> <laughs> she says, "Here's was her. I thought this quote was funny. Her experience uh, in her film debut that just came out of an audition in this shitty theater. Like it wasn't even a theater. It was a room near Times Square. And I was like, I hope this is a legitimate audition. I could be going in for a porn. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and she was also in." Best in Show, A Mighty Wind, For Your Consideration, all great improv movies, Kicking and Screaming with Will Ferrell. She was in Daddy Daycare. And in 2009, I already mentioned this, she was in The Hangover with Justin Bartha, bringing it all around. And she plays Melissa, the abusive girlfriend to, like I said, Daily Show alum Ed Helms' character, Stu. Uh, from, 2020, uh, from 2010 to 2012, she played Susan Hefley in the original Diary of a Wimpy Kid film trilogy. So, Ooh. yeah, people people definitely know Rachel Harris these days. But in 2004, it was probably like, hey, she's on The Daily Show and Sequest. That's where I know her from. <laughs> um, all right. Let us consult the book. That's all the homework. Oh, let me flip through some end of season three stuff. Oh, the ho- oh wow. There's a whole section on the houses and where they were shot and stuff like that. Season one, two and three were the same. Then season four season five so i'm gonna go back and read through all this uh middling stuff and maybe pull some pull some stuff for the future but i don't know we're on season four already if i haven't done it by now (laughs) Uh, mel's offer in this episode the last school play david did was an eighth grade production of charlie's aunt i don't know the play but he did mention that he got the lead in high school in every play remember (laughs) uh when he's talking to mel about it Uh, Cheryl gives Larry a free pass to sleep with someone else by their anniversary, which David's wife, Lori, did for him when he turned 50. And Larry said she had complete and utter confidence that nothing would happen. Not that I wouldn't try, (laughs) but that no one would be interested. Oh, my God. That's fucking incredible. What happened? I want to know what (laughs) happened. I'm guessing nothing. But then again, they are divorced now. So Mm, maybe maybe something happened. Yeah, Maybe something did happen. Larry chooses karaoke over sex with Cheryl, but in real life, David says karaoke is not for him. It's for normal people, people who don't mind letting others see they're having a good time. I mind. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> That's excellent. Uh, what were they thinking? From the what they were thinking section, Larry David said, I was never really any good at the cold pickup. I couldn't even do it when I had hair. There's no way a bald man can approach a strange woman. The bald man definitely needs an introduction. Uh, Katie Huffman says, Curb is the greatest place to work. They're all so smart and funny. They're such an assemblage of misfits. They all just sit around and giggle all day long. They were probably not terribly popular in high school, and now they're the most popular kids in school. <laughs> so there we go. That is it from the book. You may be seated. All right. Do we have any news or anything? Oh, my God. We have to talk about Crip Your Enthusiasm. Oh, Jesus. Snoop Dogg, unprompted, just decided, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to sample the Curb Your Enthusiasm <laughs> theme song. I'm going to sample Frolic. I'm going to put a clip of it right here before we get into talking about it. Ever since I started out and all about big things. Grip it, curve it, flip it, and serve it. I'm at your service, so don't get nervous. These are words coming from the dog, and everything I do is lit. Yes, sir. Hopping right along, trying to get my party on. Call my nigga. Let's go bust a bitch. Mm. Lottie Dottie, Snoopy's in the party smoking that yes sir, the best service good for everybody. Get some players in the house. If you see them point them out, put up in that Bentley with my nigga Leon Black with me. That's simply two layers of macking on you bitches. Like true players. Bitch, who cares? Boom, right there. Because you have to hear a little bit of it. Because you know, as you just heard, it's got the little the the little flute flourish whatever it is but then he does a little rap over the over an extended now i now i lost the theme song in my head because i sang a different part of it yeah he does that little part too and it is completely cgi there are cgi versions of and and the, this is how I found out the East Coast, West Coast rap battle is alive and well, because it's essentially about a CGI Snoop who looks a little bit like Larry David. Not much. <laughs> he's, got, he's just kind of dressed like Larry David, really. And he's driving a Prius, too. He meets, he goes to uh, a food cart run by a CGI version of Notorious B.I.G. and buys a burrito that evidently tastes awful and throws it out in front of Notorious B.I.G., who is upset at it. And then he meets up with a, a CGI Tupac at a donut, uh, the famous Randy's Donuts, but it's called something different in the, in the music video. And they are uh, robbed by somebody and they run in different directions. And the robber, the mugger chases Snoop. And then Snoop isn't let into a nightclub because it's for NFT owners only. Oh, my uh, God. I know. Well, you know, Snoop is like heavily into Bored Ape. He, it's uh. almost like... Did you see the board ape entire board ape performance they did at the Billboard Awards or something? Him of and Eminem. Of course I didn't. No. <laughs> oh, you didn't. No. <laughs> You're supposed to watch that stuff, Ted. Um, <laughs> but they won't let him in because he's. I guess Larry David Snoop Dogg is not an NFT holder, and so the mugger comes up and he drops his gun, and Snoop picks up the mugger's gun and holds him at gunpoint. But that's when the cop shows up. So all they see is a black guy with a gun pointed at another person so they think snoop is the aggressor and i believe he ends up getting arrested at the end but then him and cgi tupac open up their own food truck and they light notorious big's food truck on fire <laughs> and that's pretty much the end of the video uh, oh snoop my god and, all snoop right and tupac start their own 
successful. All while Frolic is playing. <laughs> All while a sample of Frolic is being wrapped over. Hell it's, yeah. The, it's the video nobody asked for. <laughs> it's <laughs> the weirdest. Th- I'm like, what brought this about? Because Curb's not currently airing. We're not going to get another season for maybe a year. It's not like a cultural touchstone in any way for many people. I don't get it. It's the weirdest thing. I, I don't know why this this exists, but God bless it for doing so. <laughs> you have to check out the whole video if you haven't. <laughs> I'm sorry to spoil it for you, but it's worth it. You you might think you know what to expect, but even having it completely described to you, you'll go, oh, wow. I, <laughs> I, I didn't expect that. It's uh, it's it's wild, but I it's cool to hear. I mean, thanks for uh, I'm glad someone referenced the, uh, you know, the Curb Your Enthusiasm theme song. We have a pretty cool sampled like trap mix as our theme music. But uh, yeah, it's it's the biggest thing. It's the biggest Curb news we're maybe going to get all all year long <laughs> until, you know, like, uh, I don't know, Larry dies or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, but that's what besides that, that's all the curb news that, that that I need. All right. If you have never listened to us before, we are not a research heavy show, despite the last I honestly don't know because it's split up uh, amongst uh, a couple different records. Minutes? I think it's like thirty two ish. Yeah, yeah thirty two. Thirty two minutes. <laughs> uh uh of uh almost exclusively like research uh, of like research and and bullshit we like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework i've never seen these episodes before tim has never seen these episodes before in the last 20 years if we miss anything if we egregiously skip over something please send us an email or send us a tweet it's at no hugging on twitter or no hugging no learning show at gmail.com both those links are down in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. If you like what you hear, speaking of those, you can give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts and a five-star rating on Spotify. It really does help out. It really does help out the show and uh, help us find new people who would uh, like our specific brand of bullshit. But then again, if you would like to support us a little bit more than that, maybe you've already left a rating and review. Maybe you did that four fucking years ago. (laughs) You can... Join us over on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash no hugging, where for five bucks a month, you can get early access to every single episode. You can get clipped content from just about every episode, ranging from a few minutes to much longer than a few minutes, like maybe maybe 25 or so. And you also get exclusive movie reviews uh from the seinfeld extended universe i know we were gonna record one this past week but it was a super stressful uh week in the uh hollowell household at Mm. the very least i will say that so did not get time to do that maybe we'll do that again or uh, maybe we'll record another one this week as we're as we're talking here Mm mm-hmm but if you do that, you can join our people, our community, including Tamara Ortiz, the guys and gals over the Idiotville podcast, John and Kathleen Murphy, Tim's mom and dad, Will Hall, I got a name change on this one, oh. Danica, Danica Ligorio, and J-Dog Conlord, <laughs> uh, Nick Kudla, Don Queso, Nathan Collins, and Megan Stolarski. Thank you all so much. If you want to join them, again, five bucks a month patreon.com slash no hugging all that being said season four episode two ben's birthday party original air date january 11th 2004 and if you are looking in tv guide that night you are gonna see 
Larry reconnects with Michael, his blind tormentor, with bad results. Mm. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> God damn it. With bad results. Uh, Get the with, fuck out of here. bad results. I mean, you don't have to be any good as a writer to know there's better That's, word choice there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could do better than bad. So Someone in third grade comes up with a better synopsis than, hmm, th- things are bad in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Things go bad for Larry. Bad results for Larry. That's every episode. <laughs> most every episode i guess sometimes sometimes we get that air the odd happy ending but uh okay so i think we can do better at the end because that's only one small storyline as you'll hear that happens in this episode we start at a dance studio larry is rehearsing with an instructor who if you recognized you're right it's the wig master from seinfeld season seven episode 18 the wig master <laughs> Uh, the uh, Technicolor Dreamcoat episode. Patrick Bristow, I think, is the actor's name. And mm-hmm. I'm sure if you go back and listen to that season, uh, if you go back and listen to season seven, episode 19, we do a deep dive, I'm sure, on the career of Patrick Bristow. As uh, my wife and I still know him. Oh, my God, Patrick from Sweet Life. There you go. <laughs> there you we, go. That's we, right. We, t- we, talk- we talked about that in our deep dive as well. We, we will always and forever know him as uh, Patrick from the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. Yeah, I couldn't remember... I I was I would have guessed Mad TV. I was like I think Ted remembered this guy from Mad TV, but no, it was a, a Disney. Um, and it's not going well. Larry is not getting the dance moves down. I kind of agree with Larry. I oh, I I tip more towards Larry where he's like, look, I can you know because Patrick shows him or the I don't even know if we get the dance instructor's name, but I'll call him Patrick. He uh, shows Larry hmm. the dance move. His and, name, uh, the choreographer. His yeah. name is Steve. Steve, the choreographer. Wow, that's Steve so odd. Steve, the choreographer. I don't think we ever get it. I only know it because yeah. I looked it up on IMDb. They might say it later in the series. I have a feeling he'll stick around. But, uh, you know, he shows, and Larry goes, I can do this. And he's like, people don't know the dance moves. And 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 Steve is like, dancers will know. Dance aficionados will know. And I venture to say those are, you know, two <laughs> relatively, I mean, dance aficionados would be going to see a Broadway show. But, but I don't even know if a dance aficionados can appreciate the difference between what Patrick, what Steve was doing and what Larry was doing. <laughs> like, uh, I, I think they would know. I think yeah. they would know. <laughs> but I think, I think dance is one of those things that the average audience goer like me doesn't appreciate how difficult a move is compared to another. So I don't appreciate how difficult Steve's moves are compared to Larry's moves. I'm like, yeah, they, <laughs> they, they play the same to me if I saw them on stage. But one takes years to master and one... Larry was Larry just, just fucking yeah, around. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, you know, it's just one of those things that laymen don't appreciate about a certain set of skills, unfortunately. Uh, and, but Larry, but I, but I would agree more with Steve to go. Let's put on a Broadway show. <laughs> let's not half-ass it. You know, let's not just do what we can do naturally. Let's really put on a show for these people who spend thousands of dollars on tickets. So the rehearsal's not going well. In walks Michael, aka the blind guy. That Larry, Larry's blind tormentor, as the <laughs> description said, uh, Larry and Richard Lewis helped him move in in the bracelet three years ago, as Larry timestamps for us. Season one, episode four, uh, the bracelet is where we met Michael, and he's the rehearsal pianist. And we meet his girlfriend, Rhonda, who Michael says, can you believe I'm dating a model? And Rhonda is 
would not be a face model. If she's a model, it's not uh, it's not for the face. She's got kind of a rundown <laughs> look about her. Uh, rundown, lifetime smoker kind of kind of vibe. Uh, and so Larry is sort of quizzical about that description of her. Ben Stiller walks in, and he invites everybody to his birthday party. He says, no gifts, all right, but I'm having a birthday party. My birthday was two weeks ago, but... We're having the party tonight because Christine was out of town and we couldn't get the, our act together. And so, uh, by the way, Ben Stiller's birthday, I had to look it up November 30th. So on this timeline, if we're airing on January 11th, we're more like two months past Ben's actual birthday of November 30th. Well, one and a half, let's say, but it's not, <laughs> not two weeks. But I guess then we can like, we know that this episode is airing or this episode is taking place the second week of December, if, uh, if that's true. So, but maybe this Ben Stiller has a different birthday. Uh, Larry thinks that Ben has missed the party window. He's like, why, why have a party at all? Like, I'm not on Larry's side on this one. That's such a weird, this is such a weird hill for Larry to die on that Ben doesn't deserve to have a party for himself because <laughs> it's out of the window. <laughs> it's out of the birthday party Dude, window. We, we get it. We get a couple of, a uh, couple of hills that Larry's willing to die on in this episode. <laughs> yeah. This one, he keeps looking for people on his side and no, he should take the hint that like, nobody's on his side and, yeah. and when you're Keep, adults keeps going gonna... back to it keeps going back to that doesn't e- end up with anybody taking the bait yeah he's like well my birthday party was months ago why don't i throw myself a party and this is later when yeah, he's telling somebody that and they go you should like that's fine yeah why, why not <laughs> society so thinks that's fine yeah. so, society would have no problem with that <laughs> Over at Opaline, which was at 7450 Beverly Boulevard in, I'm going to call it the Fairfax neighborhood of Los Angeles. It opened in 2002, and it's uh, not there anymore. It it was like, yeah, kind of a tapas, small plates place when that was sort of, that trend was sort of sweeping restaurants across the nation. And now it is Escuela Taqueria. I don't know when Opaline closed or why, but Larry and Richard Lewis are there having lunch. And Larry is explaining that he's reconnected with the blind guy they know, Michael. And he's explaining the scam that his girlfriend is perpetrating on him. Because even when Ben Stiller met Michael's girlfriend, Rhonda, he was like, hey, hands off. And Ben Stiller was like, no problem. Tim, I just got a question for you. Because there's someone living in Texas now, and I see places like this all over. Can you please spell Escuela Taqueria? Because I I don't think that's how it's pronounced. E-S-C-U-E-L-A. One then, L? Uh, yes. Okay, maybe you're right then. Okay. I, I want to say, I might have transcribed it incorrectly. Let me see. Uh, I was, I was going to say, like, if it's E-S-Q-U-E-L-L-A, I'm like, yeah. Tim, that is so woefully, like, Peggy Hillish of you. <laughs> what would, what, I, how would you pronounce that? Because I know the double L's is a Y sound, but what, yeah, what would but, you make uh, a difference? Uh, uh, because uh, you said, uh, what, you said, like, Esque, 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 what Esquela. did you say? Esquela. Esquela. So like if uh, if it's like Q U E and a double L, it would be like yeah. Eskaya. Eskaya. Okay, I, I probably still would have butchered that because I probably would have said, "Well, no, that that's Eskaya." I don't know. I, now I don't know. It's one of those things where you can't say it with while you're thinking about it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. But I, I just I, I had uh, the picture of like you being Peggy Hill saying Eskuela <laughs> Takaria. Takaria is that that was actually the <laughs> questionable too. I'm like, is it Takaria? You know. That sounds no, like ta- ta- Taqueria is good. Yeah, Esquela Taqueria. Taqueria? Like a aquarium, an aquarium for yeah. tacos. <laughs> but I, I have confirmed E C 
E S C U E L A. So I'm okay. Well, then yeah, I think that would be. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. Excellent. Anyway. So yeah, Larry is explaining Rhonda's scam on Michael, convincing him that he she is misrepresenting her attractiveness to him as a blind man. And Richard says, you know, thanks for meeting with him. It's his friend's daughter who just moved out to L.A. And he wants Larry's help in talking her out of a breast enlargement. I mean, <laughs> seem well. Why? Why would you want Larry's help with this? Exactly. <laughs> what Richard? He <laughs> that he's in love with. That might be a better person to talk to a fellow woman. About. If, yes. If it's any of your fucking business in the first place, what she does with her body, <laughs> what your what your friend thinks his daughter does with her body, like maybe yeah. her, why doesn't her dad talk to her about it? I, I'm sure he has, but like. <laughs> Yeah, like Larry David is the first person you think of when it's like, let's talk to a woman about her body. Yeah, that's to, this to me seems like a bridge. Like even Richard Lewis wouldn't be this dumb. It's like, this is just a bit <laughs> like, you know, it's just too obvious of a bit. It's too obvious of a written plot device. But here we are anyway. Uh, and so when Kim shows up, they start talking a little bit, and she's like, oh, you know, I'd, I'd love if you looked at my reel. And Larry's like, well, you know, I'm not really in, on TV anymore. But she's like, oh, yeah, sure. But, you know, what? Uh, I'd, I'd still love some advice or whatever. She's like, that's fine. And so here's the way that Larry brings up the whether <laughs> the, or not to get a breast yeah, enlargement. The, the, se- the sensitive topic of yeah. trying to talk her out of getting uh, getting breast implants. <laughs> yeah. He says, boy, that Anna Nicole Smith, she's got some big knockers, doesn't she? Or something like that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And he's like, those aren't real, are they? And <laughs> that's the end of the conversation. Like, yep. That's it. What, how was that supposed like, there must have been more. How was that supposed to convince her not to get it done? Because he's talking about them. I don't remember. I don't know whether Anna Nicole's breasts were real, but the fact that he's talking about them in, in, such, in, in the way that he does makes it seem like big breasts are one way to get ahead in, in L.A. Like, that's the <laughs> subtext. Like what was the end of that? Boy, she had some big ones, didn't she? What, but what was his what was his goal yeah. with this? What was going to be the thesis statement of that opening line? <laughs> like, boy, she had some big ones, but you know what? It's really more and but she wasn't very talented. So it's really more about like what where was he going to go? <laughs> like, wasn't a talented actress. Um, I don't know, but we never find out. And it didn't work anyway, as we'll find out later. Uh, at Ben Stiller's house, which is no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to dox Ben Stiller. <laughs> <laughs> Larry and Cheryl show up, and there's when they walk into the birthday party, a huge pile of gifts. And Jeff and Susie walk up and tell Larry that, yeah, you're the only person that didn't bring a gift because nobody means no gifts. The only one I would, ex- the only like a, a, a independently wealthy person would be the only person I'd expect to adhere to that rule like because ben what can ben stiller not buy himself that everybody else can like when a regular person says no gifts well show up with a little something oh you know i got you know here, here's something that costs like 10 bucks or whatever you know when someone mm-hmm. says no gifts at a party here's a bottle of wine i know you like whatever but if someone like ben <laughs> stiller said no gifts i would go oh of course no gifts he's wealthy beyond all imagination so <laughs> what are we gonna bring him you know yeah but, so th- this is definitely something that works in like i don't know rural pennsylvania yeah not necessarily hollywood yeah exactly so they're also greeted by ben stiller and his wife christine taylor and one of my favorite things about these first two episodes is ben's thinly veiled disdain for larry david i just love all of the looks 
that he <laughs> shoots Larry throughout the run of these these past two episodes. They're so great. Like because Larry, you know, he he grabbed a chicken skewer right off the bat and he won't shut up about where to put the skewer down. Also, he didn't bring a gift and I think Ben clocks that at this this point and I loved uh Larry and Ben talking about the amount of effort that went oh, into that's, their rehearsals. That's one of and, the big things, yeah. And Ben saying, "No, it, it's it's really hard. You got to you got to really practice it. You got to got to show up. You got to do the work at home." And Larry saying, "I don't know, maybe it's just a, a lot less effort for me." And Ben saying the exact same thing with a totally <laughs> different like incl- inclination is a word, maybe? Yeah, yeah. In, in, incantation What's the word here? Uh, intonation, maybe. Intonation. Yeah. Intonation. And just saying, yeah, it is a lot less effort. I'm like, yeah. God damn it. That was so good. Because Larry says he makes it look effortless. And Ben says something like, yeah, well, it looks like a lot less effort. And Yeah, like, yeah, well, that's eff- what it is. <laughs> less effort, effortless, whatever. You know, those are definitely two different, different things. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I love Ben's thinly veiled disdain. Meanwhile, Susie has a new business. She's designing shirts, and they are selling she's selling them like hotcakes she says and she's like i got them out in the trunk want to see and larry's like nah not right now and that pisses <laughs> Susie off immediately uh, but larry wants to go say hi to michael and he ends up giving essentially an honest opinion about what Rhonda looks like because he says she's kind of eh and michael is shocked because he was certain that he was in, uh, dating a very attractive woman and Larry's like, "What do you like care?" That, that's how that's how Michael opens up the conversation too. He's like, yeah. "Hey, hey, what, 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 it's just here. What do you what do you think of Rhonda? Huh? She's beautiful, huh?" <laughs> eh. He's like, "Yeah." Eh. <laughs> eh. Kills his kills his mood instantly. Yeah, and he like Michael needs to date an attractive woman, and he. But Larry's like, "What do you care if she's attractive to everybody else? You're you're. It's one of the advantages of being blind." He was like that, and the good hearing that cracked me up i loved because michael's like good hearing <laughs> there you he talking about yeah what is that a, is that a myth <laughs> i love that he thought losing one sense made the other senses stronger like they're daredevil or something like every <laughs> blind person is matt murdoch <laughs> yeah you can see just by hearing right what is that a myth that all your other senses don't get better when one goes away yeah that was hilarious uh, outside larry is going to see the shirts that that Susie's made and by the way update Susie did have the baby oh yeah because she says yeah I can do this and sell it from home and take care of the baby and I'm like oh Sammy's not a baby she can't be referring to Sammy so she's got a baby yeah I mean it has been uh 13 14 months since we've had episodes so yeah that makes total sense yeah okay And, and when did she fall on the cakes because she was only they weren't even telling people at that point, so it was like very. It was in the first trimester anyway, and when she fell on the cakes, the pregnancy was fine. So we, we were we were proven wrong, Ted. We were like, this is never going to come up again. <laughs> They're never going <laughs> to. But she does mention about the baby. So wh- whether we see the baby, we'll have to find out later. Because I only remember them having one kid, but we'll see. And the shirts that she is making are bedazzled NFL crewneck sweatshirts, like oh. giant. <laughs> huge logos every everywhere there's a thread is basically studded on both sides of the thread <laughs> like it is they are the ugliest shirts you could possibly imagine <laughs> not just uh not just nfl uh she has some she has some ncaa uh yeah. next in there too that we see later on <laughs> but find out. I, are these just sweatshirts she's buying from like goodwill and bedazzling on her own she said she's designing them i'm like 
well, how much designing is going into putting an existing team's logo on a sweatshirt in rhinestones? Yeah, or just bedazzling over the logo that's already on there, which I, my yeah, exactly. guess is that's what she's doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> zero uh, effort really there larry's like oh they're you know they're just not my thing which of course pisses Susie off to no end and she's like well ben stiller loved him because he has taste you have no <laughs> taste uh why would we listen to you about fashion mr mr rumpled suit whatever she calls him. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, but ben stiller supposedly went crazy for him which jeff uh, uh you know can vouch for when he's out there too uh back inside larry notices the woman from the show that he was staring at when he and Cheryl went to go see it at the end of last episode, Katie Huffman, who is a real Tony award-winning Broadway actress. That is her name, Katie Huffman. And she originated the role of Ula in the producers on Broadway from 2001 to 2003. Yes. So she was right there with Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane when that show opened on Broadway. And Ben, and she wanted, I guess I, I guess I never realized that the producers was so new whenever this episode was airing, so I mean, as much as it was just you know a reference to an existing show, it was an advertisement for the show. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you're right. It was oh my god! Like the the originating cast had just sort of started moving on, I think, because she left in '03. She won the Tony for the role, by the way, in '01 for Best Actress. Yeah, so it was still relatively new, and and it did move out to L.A. There was an L.A. performance, so when when Larry was watching that, it probably was, I guess, whoever was doing the role at the time, but. Jason Alexander was the L.A. originator. He was the first one to play the role Larry's going to play in L.A. when they moved it out there to the Pantages Theater or however you pronounce that. So Ben introduces Larry to Katie Huffman, and we get more great Larry flirty small talk. It was it was a while before I realized what he was doing, you know, because the, the anniversary gift, it, it hasn't been referenced yet this episode, but... Yeah. The small talk was so bad. I was like, oh, he's trying to flirt again because his flirty small talk is shitting on the party that he is at. They are both yes. at. <laughs> yeah. And, and then uh, what? He, he shits on the party and then he he goes into like talking about the skewers again. Yeah. And, uh, and about kebabs and how he doesn't like kebabs because, you know, then and, you and, have the skewer. And then like in the most natural transition and in, in the uh you know history of human brains larry says oh what am i supposed to do with this skewer stick it in my scrotum put yeah it's like you put it in your pocket and then you know you pierce your scrotum or something like that. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you stab yourself in the scrotum he says something yeah. like that yeah, yeah just just natural natural thing to bring up to a person you just met yeah and then the whole time katie is like rolling her eyes and like chugging her scotch whatever she's drinking whatever brown liquor she's drinking um yeah just just, just da- downs her drink gets up and says it's nice to meet you larry and walks yeah. away this was this was good uh meanwhile for some reason there's a ton of kids at this party i don't know it i guess everybody everybody brought their ki- he didn't say no kids he just said no yeah, gift, we have so. we haven't we haven't seen any of them run around they've all been uh quarantined to a specific room apparently (laughs) yeah the table in ben's breakfast nook (laughs) Uh, and Susie is there playing telephone with sammy and all the other kids and larry joins in to uh, Susie's dismay and the message ends up with him saying to the final kid (laughs) i love tits which the kid yells out (laughs) Um, as as there was a a a woman with 
uh, larger breasts, like yeah. leaning over the table, Table-fleeted. and Larry's just staring at her. Yes. Yeah. And I guess I was just to drive the point home that because Larry says that he only said what the kid before him said, but the kid before him said, "I love pigs," which was the original <laughs> telephone message. And but Larry continue, you know, he contends that the the kid before him definitely that's what he said, and that's why he passed it on. But I guess Meanwhile, the cleavage was supposed, just supposed to let us know that. Larry that, was the one who. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's how that's how it was on his slipped. mind or something. Yeah, yeah. but uh, as uh, Larry's like defending, saying "I love tits," <laughs> uh, Cheryl pops up and Cheryl's standing right behind Larry, uh, looking yeah. at him disapprovingly and like dra- almost like she doesn't pick him up by the ear, but it's the same energy of like <laughs> "Let's go!" Like dragging him away while he's yelling at the kid. You know you said that. You know you said it. <laughs> I did not. I didn't like this scene. I was like, you didn't. With the, would the episode have survived without it? Because it was just, I don't know, something about it just seemed, <laughs> again, forced. Like, it was a forced stare. Like, the whole tit storyline, I guess, is forced. Because okay. the, the Kim part was forced. Like, oh, I, you know, Richard Lewis telling Larry to tell her not to um, get a breast enhancement. And then the whole this whole thing um, also felt just a little forced. Like, we need, we just need more evidence that Larry's obsessed with breasts and... Let's put a game of telephone in at this adult birthday party. I don't know. I mean, it was it was kind of funny, but in the grand scheme of the episode, it 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 didn't do it for me. I don't know. So they're singing "Happy Birthday" to Ben. That's why Larry was dragged away. Larry is not singing, which Ben clocks and can't stop <laughs> looking at anything else except Larry not singing now for the whole and being upset about it for the whole uh, song. While showing Jeff a golf tip using the skewer as his golf club he in the backswing stabs ben stiller in the eye with the chicken skewer jesus christ i can't imagine the level of pain this actually yeah. would be yeah I, I winced and i think audibly exclaimed yeah like getting stabbed in the eye with a dirty toothpick oh, yeah fuck. no thank you <laughs> Like I, I was, I couldn't stop thinking about. It. I was like, I mean, imagine not being ready. You know, when you get you get hit in the eye with something, and you you literally didn't even have time to blink as fast yeah. as that takes. Like, <laughs> oh my god! Imagine well, it's now a piece of wood that had yeah. chicken on it. Let me let me tell you about uh my my family's eye injuries, Tim. I'll, oh, I'll start no. out with mine because it's a uh, it's a little less uh, <laughs> graphic. Uh, whenever I was 12, I was riding the go-karts, uh, RIP the go-karts, at Del Grosso's Amusement <laughs> Park in uh, in Tipton, Pennsylvania. And a piece of the tire flew off from my front tire and hit me in the eye. Oh, was damn. stuck in there. And every time I blinked, it was scratching my eye. Oh, is, is what man. Is what the doctor, doctor said. I had to go to the eye doctor... I had to wait until the next morning to go to the eye doctor for them to get it out. So every oh time I blinked God. for the next, like, oh 14 God. hours. Uh, and then um, my dad, whenever he was younger, uh, used to work construction. And he was – I forget if he was hanging drywall or if he was doing a roof. But he was working with a nail gun. Oh, no. And Tim <laughs> – do, do do I have to finish the story? Uh, I, I I won't I won't go into the specifics, but somehow a nail from the nail gun uh, was jammed in the gun, oh. uh, ended up in my father's eye. No. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I just I can't even open my eye for the rest of the podcast. Oh. Like I'm just shutting them <laughs> so tight, no one can see right now. 
my god. Oh my god. I have, I think, is that the end? Is that the catalog? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's okay, the catalog. Good. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, good. <laughs> um, uh, I I have one wonky eye that like doesn't open as much as the other, and like if, you only notice it if like I would really point it out. Like sometimes, <laughs> like I don't notice it even all the time myself. But then when I look at some pictures or some or in the mirror, sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, one is a little. And I think it's from one from two things. I think I think it's the same eye that got hit one in sixth grade i want to say somewhere let's say middle school age and it was tennis week for gym that week and if so of course all the boys that just meant hitting the ball as hard as you can at each other uh and (laughs) and one of like so i was not paying attention to whatever ball was being hit Uh, i was paying attention to whoever my partner was but an errant tennis ball hit me just like square in the eye oh my god yeah and just like and I like it, it. I went to the hospital. Like I went to the nurse, and then they were like, "Yeah, you better get this whole thing checked out." Like <laughs> I don't remember losing vision or anything like that, but they really thought it might have, like, you know, it was bad enough that it would have dislodged a retina or something like that. Wow. Yeah, but it didn't. But it, but it didn't. It like, maybe the ball was too big to fit in my tiny eye hole at the time, <laughs> and it only it only made contact with the skull. Uh, but yeah, it was it was bad. And then at a Dropkick Murphy show at Peabody's in Virginia Beach. We're on we're on the outside of you know the pit. Someone took the name of the band very literally. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I've never heard that before. Oh god damn! Really? In this context, like I recognized, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I'd never heard it in the context of like getting hurt at a Dropkick Murphy show and, like... and with your last name being Murphy. <laughs> Jesus yeah, Christ! Yeah, someone actually Dropkick Murphy. Yeah, they were on. <laughs> All right, any Murphys here tonight? Get up here! All right, get. <laughs> you knew what this was. <laughs> um, yeah the band wasn't there at all it was just <laughs> oh shit yeah it was just a, a hate group organiz- organized night. anti-irish sentiment was percolating again in virginia beach <laughs> um, but like the first note like so nothing had started yet the dropkick murphys are like hey they come on stage and the first note, a beer <laughs> bottle flies out of the crowd and nails oh, me no. right no. in the right in the eye, like oh. mainly the bottom part. So I had a black eye. I, I had a black eye from that um, <laughs> the next day. And the thing was, it was a plastic beer bottle, but it oh had my a, god, but it had some liquid in it. So <laughs> that's the only difference between like a glass bottle and a plastic bottle. Like a glass bottle will break for sure, and they're heavier without anything in them. But plastic bottles. If they're thrown at any velocity at your face, they're going to hurt if they have something in them because that's the yeah. weight. You know? If it was an empty plastic bottle, I, I wouldn't be telling the story. It'd but. be fine, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you could still be telling the story, but it'd be a little less uh, dramatic. Yeah. Like, yeah, I got hit with a plastic bottle. Yeah, a plastic uh, bottle. Oh, all right. Yeah, but literally, <laughs> sorry the, that happened to you. They play yeah. the first note, and this thing comes flying <laughs> at my face, and so I had to, like, you know, the rest of the show, I'm like, I, I hope everything's all right. And so I think that's my wonky eye. Uh, got hit in, in both of those situations. So uh, I hope our patrons found this uh, discussion uh-huh. of eye injuries <laughs> enlightening. Um, so at rehearsal uh, the next day, Larry is still struggling. Steve is showing Larry the dance moves at the speed. He's like, this is rehearsal speed. Here's the speed you should be doing it during the show. And Larry tries and and, and <laughs> then Steve calls a five minute break. And, and as Larry's saying to Michael, like, no one could do it that fast. You got to be the Flash. And Michael's like, what do you mean? He's like, you know, the the guy from the comic books wore a red suit, the Flash. I loved her. He's like, I don't even know what red is. 
Oh my gosh, <laughs> that line killed me. <laughs> I, I don't even know what red is. <laughs> but he says it in a way that Larry picks up on some sort of, you know, something going on in, in Michael's life. And it's he's fighting with Rhonda over her misrepresenting her looks. Ben comes in and he's wearing an eye patch over some medical bandages and stuff from being, uh, uh, what is it? I, I guess he has a scratched retina is what he tells Larry he ended up with. Yeah, scratched retina. And it's at that point he unloads all of his problems with Larry. <laughs> not singing the happy birthday, not bringing a gift, not shaking his hand when he sneezed into it, which he said was a dry sneeze. Yeah, and he said there was no snot, it was just air. And I gotta say, this is the one thing I will definitely agree with Larry on. How is Larry supposed to know that it was a dry sneeze? That That's still gross as hell. I say there's no such thing as a dry sneeze. No, there isn't. There there's isn't. There's no such thing. It may not be snot. It may just be saliva. But even that, any you know, a sneeze expels droplets no matter how dry your mouth, you think your mouth is. Yeah. A sneeze if on I, your hand is gross. If I have the shirt room to do it, what I've started doing, not started doing, what I've always done, I pull the collar of my shirt all the way up over my nose and I sneeze down my shirt so I'm not getting like any snot or anything on my hands same i do the exact same thing if i can't i have like you know paper towels near my desk or or kleenex or whatever and sometimes i'll grab one of those but if if i can't yeah the shirt is coming up definitely yeah that's that's the only safe way to do it not into your hands and then shake your hands there's no such thing as a dry sneeze but we find out now ben's disdain for larry is no longer thinly veiled it's it's the 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 veil is off it's out there Yeah. yeah Uh, over at Larry's brand new house, kind of reference this when, yeah, yeah, a, a th- the third new house in in uh, what does he say two years? Yeah, it's they they moved for the second time in two years, so they moved uh-huh. out of their original house and then moved. Yeah, so that I was like, wait a second, third house, second move. Yeah, in two years, yeah, that that, that makes sense. Kim is coming by, so I'm glad they mentioned it. I because I fully expected them to just gloss over the fact that we're in a brand new house, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't even like remember that. When why did they move to the new house? I forget. Well, in this episode, he says, "Yeah, we had this film crew on our street, and it was blah blah blah." I was like, "They were going to leave, weren't they?" I guess unless it was maybe a TV show or something that was going to use that location forever. But that's the reason he said they moved to this house because mm-hmm. on the previous house, a film crew moved in on the street. I'm like that filming like, was going to le- end. Leg- you had legitimately. To... No, no. In the his character says it to Kim. He's like, yeah, we moved for you know the second time in two years. Oh, this, oh, oh, This okay. film crew moved onto our street. Oh, okay, gotcha. I could, I could probably look in the book and 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 see in that location breakdown. So they they lived in the house in season one with the, the wire. Produ- yeah, producers decided we need to make some changes. Larry's wife had come by the set and said this would not be her house. Since all of our locations other than Larry's house have been real places in the first season, they decided it would be okay for Larry's new house to be a real place as well. It was considerably less expensive for my department because i guess yeah he they had this empty house and so they had to you know put all this furniture in this giant empty house and he made it look decent but he said there's certain things i'd never do again in the master bedroom we used a really dark bed with a leather headboard and whenever we shot cheryl and larry talking bed it always looked like they were in a black void (laughs) (laughs) and so in seasons two and three the house was more upscale and had a, a country french shabby chic flavor which has been a common theme in every season thereafter. They changed certain pieces 
Okay, so this is the house that they move into that had the beautiful view of the ocean, but the only time you ever saw it was in the first episode of the second season when the Davids buy the house. That yeah. baffled everyone. Oh my gosh, <laughs> how many times have we mentioned that? Yeah, quite a few. Larry wanted them to live in a nice house, but he didn't want it to be so upscale that he wouldn't appear to be a normal guy. The owners made some changes between seasons so he wouldn't have to move as much of their stuff around for filming. This included a new bedroom set and reupholstering some of the white furniture. So they don't address why they never showed the ocean view, but that is pretty funny that <laughs> they're like, yeah, uh, baffled everybody. It was only shown once. once. Yeah. yeah. I guess I guess the reason is that an ocean view is not a, something a regular guy would have, and he's supposed to be an everyman despite being super rich. <laughs> uh, we had worn out our welcome at the season two and three house, filming our show in a real functioning home and taking its toll on the owners and producers alike. We spent several weeks searching high and low for another new house for Larry and ended up at a house that was literally down the street from our season two and three house. We walked in and said, this is it. The Spanish architecture, big open rooms, everything about it. We weren't there very often because the show was filming all over town and the build up to the episode about the producers, but everyone loved the floor plan plan and the look of the house. We really didn't have to change very much at this location and get ready for our final new house in season five, but we'll get to that later. Oh, okay. Yeah. So a little breakdown about the houses as we're moving into our our third of four. But the reason he says in the in the universe of the show is because a film crew moved in on set. So maybe that was kind of a reference to the people who owned the last house going, we're sick of this. Get get out. We don't want to live with a film <laughs> that crew anymore. That could be it. That could be it. They are the film crew. Yeah, they are the reason. Yeah. And it turns out that Kim did get her breasts done. She did get the breasts uh, enlarged. And she is more than willing to show them to Larry. Oh, my God. Not just willing to show them. Yes, because she makes him feel them and feel how real they are as Cheryl looks on from outside. (laughs) And I don't know what she had done, but I don't know. And I don't know when he had lunch with Richard Lewis. She was like, yeah, I was in and out in an hour and look at him right now. Like there was no scarring like or you don't need to keep them bandaged up or any like i don't know what she had done but it seems to me like if it was a typical silicone job there's like a little bit of recoup time yeah even if you're in and out in an hour i i think you're bandaged up for a little bit i could be wrong about that but it seems like there's no drive-through breast enlargements you know (laughs) like i don't think there's like a a kylie lip kit for for breast (laughs) enlargements yeah yeah there's like a lens crafters You'll yeah. be ready in about an hour. Breast crafters. It, oh, God damn it. <laughs> Boobs in an hour or less. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so later, Larry is explaining that about what happened, that she grabbed his hands and made him put them on her breasts. And, and, and Cheryl's like, you know what? Happy anniversary, because that was your anniversary <laughs> present. Touching breasts is sex. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, and I mean, I don't agree with her statement, but I think she had a case for saying that was your anniversary gift. I you know? I think she does too as yeah. well. I, yes. We're in the same boat. I don't yeah. <laughs> I don't agree with the with the statement, but I agree with her saying, "No, look, that's that's what you get. That's your 10th anniversary present." Yeah. Yeah, sex isn't just PIV, you know, it's like I think that there's that's a gray area that she's like, "Yeah, touching breasts, happy anniversary." You touch someone else's breasts. Like, but it reminds me of the Seinfeld quote, and I don't remember what it's in context to, but Elaine asked Jerry, like, when do you think sex has taken place? And Larry, uh, Jerry goes, uh, I think when the nipple makes its first appearance. 
<laughs> so that's you know kind of a good baseline as to like when when the event is is happening. So, but but and Larry is like pleading his case, like no, no, that can't be it. Please, no. He says like yeah. please, no, please, no. He's like they're not even. It's not even a real breast. Which he's he's pulled that before with like saying people who've had their breasts done don't have real breasts. Like, <laughs> and I think we've uh, also. You know, I, I don't think we've been on his side as far as that goes. He's like, I might as well be touching her head. And she's like, why didn't you touch her head then, Larry? You yeah. didn't touch her head. But it's at that point that a mouse scurries by that Larry calls a tit mouse. <laughs> a tit mouse! <laughs> <laughs> Which is a, a mammal, but it's a bird. A tit mouse yeah. is a bird. <laughs> and Cheryl's like, oh my gosh, you're feeling tits. You're telling kids yeah. that you love tits. And you're you're now yelling about Titmouse. You're obsessed with tits, <laughs> which is another. There's an echo. There's a Seinfeld echo. There was like you're obsessed with breasts. You're breast obsessed. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, yeah, I do. I forget what it was in in context to though. It's when Elaine thinks that the diner hires only well endowed women, and one is bigger than the next, it's like a Russ Meyer movie. And the guy goes, "Who's Russ Meyer?" She goes, oh, he's this guy who made those terrible movies in the 70s with these kinds of women. He's obsessed. He's obsessed with breasts. <laughs> That's hard to say. That's what it was from. Um, and Larry is, is the same, according to Cheryl. Over at Michael's apartment, he broke up with Rhonda because he needs to be with a good-looking woman. Even though he's blind, if other people don't think his girlfriend is good-looking, <laughs> he needs to be with a good-looking woman. So now he's tasked Larry with helping him do all the things that Rhonda would do because he's not going to get his, he's not going to impose on his friends. And so we get a montage now of Larry doing things with Michael, like shopping at John's, which is a market with several locations in Los Angeles. I have no idea which one this is. I looked at at several John's facades and I couldn't find this one. So (laughs) don't know where it was. Uh, There is one on Wilshire though. So maybe they redid that one and it used to look like this. That's my theory because they shoot a lot on Wilshire. Uh, and Larry is doing the shopping with Michael. Um, even though Larry goes, we don't want to look like a gay couple. I liked when he's telling Michael where to hold him on the arm. He's like, you don't have to go all the way around. Grab it right here. We don't have to look like a gay couple. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. He didn't need to bring that into it, I guess. But it, it, was, no. pretty, it was pretty funny. <laughs> like, don't, don't hold it like we're going to prom or whatever. Uh, so shopping for groceries, shopping for shoes. <laughs> I liked it when he was describing art to Michael and he just walks off. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> Uh, doing laundry, uh, going out to lunch, and Larry takes advantage of Michael's blindness and steals a bite of food, uh, doing some cooking for Michael, doing the dishes. Over at Jeff's, Larry comes by to buy one of Susie's shirts for Ben to make up for everything and give him a birthday gift. And Jeff is like, you know what, say it's for you because Susie's really pissed off about it. And she, if you buy the shirt, maybe everything will be, you know, you can smooth things over with her again. And so he does pick out one, uh, the Indiana sweatshirt, like you said, an NCAA shirt, probably. The reason he he's buys the, that one is he's like, you know, what? one of my friends, his daughters went to Indiana. So, of course, this makes sense. Like, what? This <laughs> is such a tenuous. And yeah, I guess, it's, I guess it's supposed to sound tenuous and funny, but. Yeah, I was like, yeah, there we go. It makes makes sense. That's why I'm an <laughs> Indiana fan. And the shirts are $100, but Susie gives the shirt to Larry for free because she's so pleased that he's come around on that. Wow, thank you, Susie. (laughs) Yeah, 
a Goodwill t-shirt and $5 of bedazzled gems. And she's marked it up $95. But she's so pleased that Larry has come around on the shirts and, and he's a fan now that, that she just gives him the shirt. Uh, over at rehearsal, Ben is very apologetic to Larry and, and they kind of make up. He's like, you know, I'm sorry. I've been under stress, you know, the show and then this and, and the eye and everything. And it's, I was taking it out on you. And so they both make up and Jeff and, and Larry gives him the gift. And Ben, <laughs> Ben really does a good job pretending to like the sweatshirt. Yeah. yeah, he does. Because it was obvious. I think Jeff could have done Larry a solid, except he knew it was make his wife happy. Maybe that's why Jeff didn't because the right time was when Larry came by to buy a shirt, go, Ben didn't like those shirts. Nobody likes those ugly ass shirts. He was pretending <laughs> because he's a nice person and you're not. But don't buy Ben this ugly ass shirt. But, <laughs> you know, he he's, lets him buy the shirt because he knows it'll make Susie happy, which makes Jeff happy at home when Susie's happy. Um, <laughs> and so, so Ben pretends to like this ugly ass shirt. And they start rehearsal. But Larry is not off book at all. He needs a script and... He doesn't know what direction stage left is, where to come in from. He is he is still struggling with rehearsal, which does not give Ben or anybody a good feeling. Over at The Mint, which is at 6010 West Pico Boulevard, it is a still a dark, intimate space with a retro vibe where up-and-coming live music can be seen. Hmm. Uh, many storied musicians from uh, Willie Nelson to, I think I read Aretha Franklin, have played at the Mint, and also acts like the Wallflowers uh, got their start there. Ben Harper, when he was coming up in L.A., uh, I think got started at the Mint. Mazzy Starr has played there. Natalie Cole. So, yeah, still a, a big music venue in L.A. It was established in 1937, so around the time that The Good Earth was making the rounds still. was still a very <laughs> popular novel. And that's where Michael is performing, and he's wearing Ben's gift. He's wearing the ugly sweatshirt on stage, which Larry calls Ben out for, and Ben gives him a look like, Ben gives him a real like, fuck fuck you, who cares kind of look. And then Larry looks over at Susie, who's there, and she calls him out (laughs) for giving away the sweatshirt that she gave him. And Michael doesn't realize that he is so awful, he is walking the entire room until Larry is the only one left. And as everything's coming up, Roses finishes, Larry starts clapping, and Frolic starts up, and that is the end of the episode. I, I want to know, like, he's he's blind. He's yeah. not deaf. Yeah. How, how can he not notice that he's he's very off key? Yeah. No, you're right. The hearing is not a, a, <laughs> the hearing is not better because he's blind. <laughs> I mean, I guess it does come into the the joke early on in the episode that he doesn't have good hearing just because he's blind. Yeah. That could be it. Maybe it's a a, a reference, a joke referencing that. That like he's he's tone deaf, and I don't think people who are tone deaf know they're off key. That may be. Mm. I don't know if that's true, but he he can play the piano very well. Yes. He just can't sing. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's actually that's... really funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and, but but surely he would realize that. The applause is getting less and less at the end of every song until it's just... He knows the difference between a room of people clapping and one person. Until it's just Larry at the end. God damn it. But I like how pleased Larry is with himself for being there and and still having a good time. Like, everyone else is... Cheryl's gone. Literally, it's Larry and the bartenders. Ben's gone. Jeff, Susie. Everyone is gone. 
Yeah, and then Larry, but Larry is still enjoying the song from Gypsy, and and claps at the end of it. So I think Larry's happiest when he's by himself like that. Uh, but that is it. All right. What do we got for homework this week? Nothing. I didn't write anything down. Oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What do you like? What do you like for cover art? Man, I don't know. Uh, Jeff nailing Ben in the eye might be fun to see a still shot of. Um, what else do we have? Uh, you mean Larry? I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. What did I say? Jeff. I was like, Jeff, I yeah. think it was Larry, not Jeff. Larry. Yeah. Jeff is there, but yeah, Larry nailing Ben in the eye with the skewer. Um, man. Oh, oh, well, Larry with his hands on Kim's chest was, was oh, kind of funny. Larry yeah. with hands on boobs is how I'm yes. noting it down. Yeah. <laughs> I think that might be our go-to. <laughs> Especially like with them looking out at Cheryl, yes. so just looking at the camera. Exactly. Yeah, that's got to be it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see what we can do about this week's description. All right. So we had Larry reconnects with Michael, his blind tormentor, with bad results. Oh man, I think we just have to scrap it and start from the ground up. Yeah, let's do I don't it. even think there's any substructure to work with here. I, I don't. I don't think there's anything to anything to salvage. Yeah. So what does happen? Ben's the whole situation with Ben, the Kim and the anniversary thing, and Michael and his girlfriend. So can we tie all of that together? You know, something like Larry starts. This is the long way to say it, but Larry's Larry begins rehearsing for the producers, and it's shaky. Larry's, you know, early, early, what about? With early rehearsals of the producers not giving much confidence, something, something, something. What if I, what if it's like rehearsals for the producers and Larry's relationship with Ben, I mean, it's long, but are off to a shaky start, something like that. Rehearsals, yeah. yeah. Rehearsals and maybe we can even take the producers out of it. Rehearsals and Larry's relationship with Ben are off to a shaky start. Or if we want like that. Or, or we can say get off to a shaky start. And then do we need anything else? I don't think so. I mean, what, what are you going to say? Like, Larry is accused of being obsessed with tits? Yeah, Larry is tit-obsessed. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that just comes naturally with the, with the, with the episode. But I, I, I like what you said. And he breaks up a the relationship with his blind tormentor. <laughs> uh, no, no. <laughs> well, we could always, uh, you know, I was going to say Larry reconnects with it, it's way too long. But but if I wanted to <laughs> If I wanted to, I could, we, Ted. We, we we know you want to. <laughs> Larry reconnects with Michael at rehearsals, which along with Larry's relationship with Ben are off to a shaky start. But we're not going to do that. But we could. <laughs> so I like Larry's, you know, like early rehearsals. Maybe we don't even say early because we say start. So rehearsals and Larry's relationship with Ben are off to a shaky start. Boom. Yeah, I because like that. Because er, er, start gets rid of early. Yeah. Yeah, boom. Okay, I'm happy. <laughs> I could God be happier. Damn. It's like, the, like life is good, but it could be better. It's that meme. <laughs> With the longer synopsis. <laughs> All right, Tim, did you like this episode? Uh I I can't I can't give it a star or anything. It was it was a fine baseline episode. I had, you know, some scenes I didn't like the telephone scene. It it really 
Like, I really did write, delete this scene after viewing it. <laughs> 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 but they needed a third of time for him to be obsessed with breasts. Otherwise, yeah. she doesn't yeah. have much of a case without three. Um, but, but there are certainly elements of it that I liked. But I think it, it, it did a good job of moving this season's plot along for a second episode. But it, And so it was a nice bridge episode as far as that goes. And, and as far as most bridge episodes go, they're usually pretty average so that's right i put this at the at the curb baseline what about you um see i did give it a star because because while you mention it being a baseline episode um the only other episode we have to compare it to so far is season one of of or episode one of season four yeah which neither of us gave a star at all i gave a star low low to that i did a star low low oh okay i'm sorry Because so I, I remember I you, that that was episodes... the one where you were on the fence about your, where I was like, Ted, if you give it a star, I'll give it a star low. And if you, but because you gave it nothing, I gave it a star low, low. <laughs> so I, I think I, th- th- this can be, if at its worst, this is a baseline episode at its yeah. best. This is really good. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's somewhere in the middle, which lands at being a star for me. Um, and I, I think if the episodes of season four are this good, and better yeah. it will be the best season we've talked about so far which oh boy is <laughs> not gonna be hard to do um which is not to say that we've watched bad television you know like but no, to be it's the, just but eh. to be the but to be a truly stellar season of curb your enthusiasm would be a feat at this point like to be for everything to be above average we've had a lot of like you know this is just we're we're enjoying a very funny I, show had a a lot of filler it feels like yeah yeah ben ben stiller is elevating this season as a guest star i gotta say i'm enjoying him oh absolutely playing himself in this it's great (laughs) Uh, this was uh, this this was a good get for for the curb team yeah and it's great to see larry working with the son of jerry stiller who of course you know larry had a great working relationship with on seinfeld yeah so that's cool that another that he's working with another Stiller uh, on on that level. But and I know Katie Huffman will be a bigger role as well, and I think she adds a little bit. She'll add a little bit to the season, too. Man, did, please tell me that Jerry Stiller pops up somewhere. I don't remember honestly. Oh, I'll damn, be pleasantly because, surprised if he does because that that'd be so funny. Because obviously we know that Seinfeld exists in this universe. Larry yeah. David is the creator of Seinfeld. We, we he's talked to many of the actors. Yeah. So like. Does he recognize Jerry Stiller as being one of his employees on his show? Or is he going to be just, hey, Ben Stiller's dad? (laughs) Or or both? I think it'd have to be both. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't say (laughs) Jerry Stiller. Or maybe in the Curb Your Enthusiasm universe, John Randolph was was George's father through the entire run. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I would love that alternate universe. (laughs) All right, well, hey, next week we have got Season 4, Episode 3, The Blind Date. Original air date, January 18th, 2004. And if you are looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see Larry Men's Fences with Michael by setting him up on a blind date. Oh, boy. I, I sense a double meaning there, Ted. Ooh. As Michael's blind. It's a very literal blind date. <laughs> uh, I remember this episode. I remember uh, the way that Larry sort of skirts michael's wants and needs in a relationship so it's uh, we'll see how it, it plays out besides that i don't remember much i don't hate the synopsis either but i'm sure there's a lot more i'm sure that's the c storyline 
<laughs> so it'll yeah. be oh, probably. <laughs> we'll see next week how how much I we actually we'll, hate it. We'll see next oh, week. All right, is that it? Yeah, that's it. All right, for no hugging, no learning. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hallwell. Be good.